Welcome to the Bike Rumor Podcast, where we spin off from our usual tech coverage to pick the brains of the people behind the brands. If you want to hear how bikes and components go from ideas to the things we ride, this is the cycling podcast you've been waiting for. Please welcome your hosts, Tyler and Watts. Hi, y'all. Welcome to the Bike Rumor Podcast. I'm your host, Watts. I'm... <laughs> apparently the co-host today so this is the first time that you and i've co-interviewed our guest which mm-hmm. is kind of fun yeah that's good yeah um started off a little quiet that's all right so we're gonna edit out all those breaks so okay. it's gonna seem perfectly seamless to the audience <laughs> right. listening today so our guests today were ted king and laura king husband and wife uh ted king you may recognize from racing and his untapped maple syrup energy gels and i guess waffles now too which are pretty tasty and so we're going to talk about how they get the syrup for this, which was pretty cool. I had no idea they actually had their own operation. Yeah, I didn't either. Like, and I didn't even know that what I saw when I was out at Kingdom Trails was the maple syrup stuff. Oh, really? You talk about that. I had to ask. It was super weird. Yeah, yeah. it's super weird. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Um, so it's I, I, it was kind of a long interview. Like I don't have a whole lot to tee that one up with because I feel like anything we say, we're going to give away what's in it. It was a pretty cool conversation, though. Yes, it sort was. Sort of how they come up with the race and how maple syrup happens. So Even how they're adjusting to Vermont. Yes, which is beautiful. And it's one of those areas, like that, that whole section up there, there, North Hampshire, uh, North Hampshire, New Hampshire, you know? It's one of those areas I keep thinking, like, man, you could get so much land up there for so cheap and have your, your bug out spot or just like a vacation spot for when we all hope to retire rich. Somehow, magically, or just park our vans and, and park our vans. There we go. Find a that's clean definitely water what's source. happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that area also has had a. There's a lot of dirt road riding history up there of events, just in New England, like D2R2 and Vermont 50, um, other events that have been going on for a long time, kind of before gravel riding was really called gravel riding. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, it's. I almost asked him. What, or like, oh, so you guys are the first gravel rider. <laughs> I would have been. There's a lot of stuff that's been I happening. Just keep, it's just going to keep getting better and bigger. That's cool. I'd actually heard of the D2R2 and Respetista. I just honestly didn't know where they were. But that's, yeah, that's pretty neat that they're up there. Well, wow. shall we just dive in? Yeah, let's do it. All right, here we go. Hey, Ted and Laura, thank you for coming on the Bike Rumor Show. Welcome. Thank you very much for having us. Excited to be here. Awesome. A pleasure. So the impetus for this was the gravel race that you guys are putting on later this year. Registration opened up on April 1st, right? That is correct, yeah. Um, we had a quite a bit of rollout before the opening day of registration, which was yesterday, April 1. And yeah, we sort of we smashed through well over half of registrants in the first 24 hours. So we're, we're cruising. Awesome. What's the field capped at? Um, well, also last night we had a, a visit with the town, uh, select board, which was fun. That was our first time going to a, a town meeting in, in quaint Richmond, Vermont. Um, and basically we're capped at, um, the logistics of the number of cars we can fit at untapped headquarters, which is where the ride happens, uh, Cochrane ski area. So we're, we're shooting for 500, um, and we're trying to see if we can sneak a few more folks in beyond that. So it seems like that would have been a good thing to figure out before you opened registration. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're 
we're very familiar um, with we, we know we can get at least 400 no problem um, I mean you know we want to make the event an absolute knockout and and invite every person who has a bike <laughs> on planet Earth uh, but keeping it realistic in year one we're we're yes we're gonna keep it on the straight and narrow and make sure we're legit with the full number before we go all in with you know 1200 person registration well, I'd also say we've been surprised prior to opening registration at the level of excitement for the event. And so, you know, kind of last minute started questioning, well, maybe is it possible to, you know, to open capacity a little bit, um, a little bit bigger. And it's funny. I mean, the town's suggestions were to start calling farms in the area and find a big, you know, swath of land that somebody might uh, be willing to rent out, which is super feasible um so we're just working on that at the moment cool yeah i know that's what uh spartan races do a lot of times is they'll find those big fields and basically the the landowner gets the parking take and then that's kind of their compensation for letting them use the land which if you look at how many people show up for that at 10 or 15 bucks a pop they are making bank that weekend <laughs> <laughs> so the gravel up there i've ridden um, Kingdom Trails, and then many, many, many years ago, went up for the Norba National at Mount Snow. But uh, what's how does the gravel area for you guys, the gravel riding, compare to you know the mountain bike trails? Is it as well known up there? Um, Vermont is cool for no shortage of reasons, not least of which it has literally more gravel roads than it does paved roads, um, and they're they're you know the the entire variety of um, you know very well maintained because literally they're the municipal roads to get from point A to point B. Um, and then we also have what in Vermont are well known as uh, either pave sections or class four roads, which are much less maintained, uh, certainly much more exciting on a bike than going on the buffed gravel roads. Um, so yeah, when you ride the Northeast kingdom, which has become this sort of Mecca for, for mountain biking, especially in the Northeast, but then folks coming in from all over the world, um, yeah, the, the gravel here has that equally buffed out, super <sighs> plush, fun, um, fast-moving pace that, that you know, you might not expect. Um, I mean, if you go back to the, the Norba National uh, down to Mount Snow, you know, it, that's good technical East Coast riding. Yeah, Very super technical. Super technical. I mean, there's no better word than roots. So <laughs> with the event being called Root in Vermont, you know, we're... we're sort of a little bit tongue-in-cheek in, in the, the technical aspect of East Coast riding, but the name has much more to do with the the sort of nostalgic, rooted, uh, uh, you know, foundation we feel here, having having put our roots down in Vermont. How long have y'all, um, how long have y'all been there? We moved here in June, last June, 2018. Okay. Um, Ted started, let's see, we met in January of 2006. 16, shortly after Ted had retired and decided to move to California. And um, we actually met about a week after he moved. And um, not long after that, he began his uh, New England campaign, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, telling me how amazing New England was. And I was a little bit confused because he had just moved to California. <laughs> um, but everything was always New England this, New England that. It's amazing. And I could tell where the conversation was leading. And <laughs> two years later, here we are. <laughs> I remember um, reading something, and I don't remember where it was, Laura, where you were talking about really having this overwhelming 
not regret, but just this, you were scared about Vermont. Oh, I was terrified. <laughs> um, I mean, it took me a long time to even uh, consider moving to New England. It's far away from family. I love California. I love the sunshine. I'm originally from Seattle. I left Seattle because the weather really yeah, All the sunshine. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, yeah, I had a lot of fears. Um, but there are a lot of good, solid reasons, um, like positives to why we might make the change. Um, just in looking to find a place that was going to be more of a good long-term fit and being close to Ted's family, which he hasn't been able to do for over a decade. Um, and so, you know, we weighed the pros and cons and, and I finally thought, you know, life is, you have to take risks and, um, it was going to be an adventure, and I was so pleasantly surprised at the outcome. Awesome. Good deal. So you're embracing, like the we mentioned a little, the cross-country skiing and other aspects of New England oh, life. I, I, yeah, I didn't I, – I had no – I mean, growing up in Seattle, I did a bit of cross-country skiing and, and a bit of winter there, but you don't get a full winter. The fact that we've had access – out our door. I mean, um, there's probably three different, four different places we could Nordic ski within 10 minutes of our house, um, to backcountry ski 10 minutes away from our house on our doorstep to fat bike. We have groomed single track within three different, um, trail trail networks of groomed single track for fat bikes within a mile of our house. So it's, it's actually more, it's been more of, waking up every day and, you know, just looking at the weather and thinking, okay, which activity do I want to do today? Which just getting outside is, um, was the major concern for me having been in Seattle where it was just often gray and rainy. Um, but we've had a lot of sunny, beautiful, um, sunny, sunny, beautiful days with a great snowpack and it's just made for a winter playground. That's awesome. Good so you're feeling rooted. <laughs> sure am. Yeah, we we kind of. Uh, I mean, I I've told the story before, but um, we came to check out the area last end of April, um, and we also were here to race Rasputitsa, and we were looking around at uh, houses for rent and walking down the street, and everything was. It was April twenty seventh or so. It was gray. Everything was dead. We had just come from sunny San Diego, and I was just suddenly overwhelmed at how uh dead everything looked <laughs> and uh I just Ted Ted we we're walking down the street to go to a restaurant and he turned to me and I'm just start crying <laughs> and I'm just like I was terrified of of what we were about to experience but you know a couple days later we had such a fun time at New uh New England's big Rasputitsa mm -hmm. ride which gets like 1500 um, riders. It's huge for, uh, you know, at that time of year. And I was so surprised at the fitness of everyone who yeah. was there. <laughs> I, and I, and then a couple days later it was 70 degrees again and warm and suddenly everything was looking a little brighter and I was a little more optimistic and, um, yeah, um, we, uh, we happened to move and, jumped in we ended up finding just like our dream property and bought a house and got some land awesome. and we're we're really uh 
embracing the whole Vermont dream. <laughs> Sweet. So I got a question. The first time that you saw the maple syrup lines running through the trees, did that just blow your mind? It really did. Um, it's funny. Um, Ted and I met. I was I, I worked for Goo for four years, <laughs> and that was an interesting um, interesting time as as we were a little bit of competitors. Uh, but when I finally came to Vermont and saw their operation and just um, the people involved and just um, I mean not only is the product extremely effective and all natural I was I was just completely sold because it's it's the perfect story you know it's like what it's the most authentic brand story and to show up and see this little sugar shack and and watch um, Doug and Roger Brown, Ted's partners, making the maple syrup and you know, spending spending their spring up in the woods, tapping trees, um, coming from a a elite ski background. It was just you couldn't hope for a better kind of story behind your brand that's more gen in, that is more genuine and authentic than that. So. Yeah, it's probably a far cry from a lab environment. And not to knock you, because it's pretty much all sports nutrition, right? You're sitting there with beakers and formulas and versus like literally pulling something out of a tree and you know, minimal processing. But yeah, we rode a couple couple years ago up in at the Kingdom Trails and one of the things we went through are all of a sudden it's just spider web of tubing through the trees and I'm like, What? And then yeah, you realize I, what it is. It's mind it blowing. And, yeah, you uh, have to be careful mm -hmm. of your two Ted is often having to duck as yeah. they're they're not that high off the ground. <laughs> so for somebody coming up to do the rooted race, will they get to see that? Because I feel like that's really something you got to see if you're going to Vermont. You're gonna wiggle them through some trees a little bit. Yeah, we. So now is sugaring season. The spring of the year, you know, when uh, you need the cold nights and warm days, and that that weather system allows the the sap to quote run through the trees and then out through the hole, through the tubing, through the hoses. Um, and the hosing is actually a sort of modern uh, modern methodology of collecting the sap. Um, otherwise, the other real nostalgic thing is to see literally buckets that are hanging from the trees that you, as a sugar farmer, you have to go manually to the buckets, collect the sap, um, put them in a bigger bucket, and ultimately bring them back to your sugar shack and boil the sap to make maple syrup. Um, so come August 4th, you know, it's certainly the end of sugaring season. A lot of folks, um, because it's such a process to install the tubing, will leave the tubing up. So, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're on the gravel roads, you got to be you have to have a pretty stealth eye to look into the woods and see them. Um, but there are signs of maple absolutely everywhere throughout the ride. There's the sugar shacks themselves, which are, you know, in this part of the in this part of the state, it's every third building is a sugar shack. Um, a couple of folks will leave the buckets on year round, um, and Given my connection and being a co-founder, co-owner in Untapped, will certainly bring Untapped in a big way uh, to support Rooted Vermont. Nice. So I'm curious the tubes because they weren't that big, and I'm thinking like when I think of sap, I think of like tree sap. It's real thick, but maple uh -huh. sap is pretty liquidy, watery, right? Yeah, very much so. Um, so you know the process is is stunning. I mean, it's beautiful to come up and visit this area this time of year. You you literally put a hole in a sh in a sugar maple or any sort of maple tree but sugar maple has the uh, highest sugar content and then with that with those warm days and cold nights it it results in maple sap being drawn from the tree it sort of comes out in a very slow process it's certainly not a hose um it's just drip drip 
drip. But then collectively, so here at uh, Untapped World Headquarters, we have 23,000 taps. Um, collectively, those drips do add up. So when the sap is running hard, it's literally like a fire hose watching all the sap come collected from these 23,000 taps all funneled down to the, to the base. Um, yeah, the, the sap itself is very, very low viscosity. Um, you're ultimately to make maple syrup, you're boiling between 60 or 80 to one. So 60 gallons of sap or 80 gallons of sap boiled down becomes one gallon of maple syrup. Um, and even that is relatively low viscosity compared to other sports nutrition. It's not that gooey gel. Um, if you're accustomed to, to gooey syrup, then you're probably using fake high fructose corn syrup, maple flavored table syrup, which is certainly not the same thing as organic delicious maple syrup. Um, but yeah, basically you literally just boil sap until you are at 67% sugar content and boom, you have maple syrup. There's nothing else you do besides that. That's awesome. What? Sorry. What? Oh, I was just going to get back to the, to the ring. I was going to ask a question of how long had this race been in your head? Hey, hey, hey. Um, you know, I mean, we started before we even moved. We have had a lot of people asking us when we're going to put on an event. Um, Ted has his charity ride in New Hampshire every October. Um, that he is a obviously a very important component of, but it's not an event that we own and operate. Um, and having, you know, once we did make the move, we just started having more friends and community reach out and keep asking us this question when we're going to host an event in Vermont. Um, so that definitely planted the seed. Um, I think that we, we took ample time to mull it over and think about it because we knew if we were really going to jump in and do this, it was, it was going to be with our full effort and, uh, everything right. that we had and, and be a big commitment. And so, um, yeah, I guess this December or so we, we decided that we were going to jump in and do it. Which is pretty quick turnaround. I mean, obviously you're thinking about it, but to really commit in December and then have it planned for the same year and launch, you know, the registration just a couple months later and have all the, the logistics and everything worked out, which I'm sure you're still working on the daily details of those, but that seems quick. It is. A lot has changed for us in the last, uh, well, few years, but in, in moving, I actually, not long after that, decided to leave my job. And um, it just is funny how timing works out that I had the capacity and um, the background along with Ted to to spearhead something like this. So um, we did think about, oh, maybe we should just this year, in, since first, you know, deciding to launch this in January when most have opened their registration in late fall, maybe we should just have a test event. And then, you know, the more we thought about it, the more we, we knew, I knew I had the time and energy and um, capacity to do a lot of the, the work. And I just thought, you know, I think we can do this and I think we can still host a good event um, by the time Great August event. rolls around. Great event. <laughs> Superior. Event. It, looks, it looks amazing. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Um, nice. And it's oh, yeah, super it's just, it's, reasonable. Well, yeah, you. it's that it's that gravel community. It's the gravel party. I mean, we we have been lucky to attend so many events all throughout the country. Um, in this booming 
burgeoning world of, of gravel. Um, so, you know, we're, we're able to see what works, what, what doesn't work. Um, it always really does come back to the community and just how much fun people are having. And we want to harness that. Um, sure. Having, having only set up shop here in Vermont, having moved here last summer, it's, it's a relatively short period of time, but from the very get go, um, it's just been amazing. The, the general Vermont community, um, and we're overlapping that with, with the cycling community. So, you know, it's, it's funny, the word community, I think comes up all too often on one hand, it's sort of this hackneyed word, but then there's, yeah. there is no better word for, for what it is and what it means. And that, that, that very positive feeling that you get, um, sort of in the heat of the moment and the excitement of one of these events. So, I mean, I love the word and I think it, it's only going to be used that much more after an event like Rooted. It seems like, it's, from what I've heard, Watts has done it, I haven't, but that seems to be what a big part of what makes DK so special is just the entire town comes out and is so excited that everyone's there. And, I, you know, it adds something special to it as opposed to just kind of, you show up, you see the same people you always race with, you do your race and high yeah. fives and head home. Yeah, all these kids are lined up, excited to give you high fives, and you're like, man, I'm like 50th. <laughs> like, yeah, that. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I raced it in 2016. That was my first year in retirement, so to speak. Um, and I did that solo and, and, um, I mean, I had a great support on the ground there in Kansas. Rebecca Rush helped me out and Dan Hughes, who the two of them are the two winningest dirty Kansas racers. Um, and Laura was doing an event coincidentally, I think in steamboat at the time. And we had been dating for a handful of months and, you know, I come back with just this like ear to ear grin telling her how cool it was only to bring her to, to Emporia the next two years where she's, she's certainly could go there and be competitive, but it's a cool event that, you know, we work as a team and she's spearheading my, my support. So, I mean, yeah, Laura, what's your take on the community there in Emporia? Um, you know, I just, I've had the chance to be there on behalf of brand I w brands I was working for. Um, and it's just so cool to have so many people come up to the booth and talk to you about how they actually got into cycling. They, you know, they're local, they are, they're locals from Emporia saw this event and it encouraged them to get on a bike. Um, and I'm, I hope that we could do the same for our community. Um, the more that we can get more people on bikes, the better. I got a kind of a random question for you. Once a pro cyclist like yourself retires, there's there's a lot of grand fondos, major charity rides, or you know other gravel rides and events with their name attached to it. And to me, I'm thinking that's a great way to stay involved, move on from your cycling career, and use the clout that you've had. Which so it begs the question: like some of your teammates and former you know friends from the peloton, like when they retired, if they're not doing that, what in the world do they go do? I can't imagine going to a desk job after like living my life outside riding a bike. Sure. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with where you're born. Um, you know, Europeans will, will, it, it's such a lauded sport in Europe. So if you make it to the pro tour, then, then chances are you're going to stick around in the, in the world tour in some capacity. Um, you know, you might end up as a mechanic, you might end up as a swan. You're the, the folks who have had success, it's funny. I mean, whether you, whether you have success on the bike does not necessarily translate to being a good uh, sports director or person on the mic or the person driving the car. And I don't mean to mean to, to make it sound as a dig, but that's often, you know, the winningest folks are the ones driving the cars. Anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, that takes quite a bit of tactics and, and 
people will remain within the sport. The ones who really succeed beyond being a sports director are going to end up as a, a team manager. Um, and that's apparently where the big bucks are. Um, back here in the States. Yeah. You, you hit it on the head on the head. I mean, a lot of, a lot of writers will create an event. Um, and I think, I think it largely has to do with coming back to their community and, and knowing that they've had a lot of folks interested in their career and excited to go out and group rides with them. And, and it's just sort of this culmination of, um, all the excitement of being overseas and then coming back in the off season and saying, you know, I've, I've missed the previous nine months being, um, at work, so to speak over in Europe. And I want to go out on this massive group ride. Um, one, I think decent differentiator in, in how, in how people retire is, you know, cycling is a very cruel sport and, you don't often have the ability to script how your career is going to go. So if you're lucky enough to race for a half dozen years or more beyond that, it's sort of anybody's guess. So you might have an injury and, and not be able to complete a season, or you might, you know, just have a crap season and not be able to get a, uh, a contract for the next year. So often you see people hang up the bike for reasons that they, they don't want, or they're going into November, December, still, you know, fighting tooth and nail to get a contract. So it was relatively early on in my, my 10th year of racing that I, I said, you know, I, I love this sport and I want to keep that passion for the sport of cycling. Um, I'm, I'm going to choose to retire at the end of this year. And I think that's really allowed me to keep the love for cycling and, and really, you know, wake up each day and be excited to get on the bike and go for rides and lead, lead events just because I still love riding a bike. Yeah, you didn't get totally burned out on it and just ruined it didn't ruin itself for you bingo yeah yeah you know what else will ruin cycling for you <laughs> owning a bike shop <laughs> where you're out on the trail just trying to enjoy your ride and you're looking at other people's bikes going where the hell did they get that bike they didn't get it from me fuck yeah yeah well and then furthermore i got a buddy who has a shop down the road and when his bike is in any sort of state of disrepair you know it's on him he can't just be like so and so yeah. mechanic fix my bike for me. It's like no, you you wear many hats when you're a bike shop owner. You gotta work on your own bikes. Right. If like you ever have time for that. Eccentric bottom bracket creaks lots. That wasn't that's <laughs> not an eccentric bottom bracket. <laughs> Something on your single. Oh screen. yeah, that was pretty rough. Yeah. For days. <laughs> well, is there anything else you would want people to know about the event? What's something that is might? Well, I don't want to ruin the surprise, but like. Is there something when people come up there that you guys are kind of saving to surprise <laughs> riders for? A yes or no, I guess, is the appropriate answer to that. <laughs> well, I guess I'm just going to say, as far as what they can expect, um, you know, I think it's very important that this ride stands out above the rest, I guess. Um, where We want it to be unique. We want it to be um, special and really show off the terrain, but um, equally as important to us is the after party, the fe uh, festival type atmosphere that really showcases the things that we think are so unique and that we love about Vermont. So whether it's um, the best IPAs that we think come from Vermont, um, the ciders, local cider company, the maple creamies, the cheese, um, whatever it may be, that's one way that we feel we can really bring a unique element um, to this event. Yeah, that's cool. Because I asked because I think about like what is going to set it apart. It's sort of like 
I, I joke with friends, you know, if you were going to start a restaurant, the easiest way to succeed would be to just do something crazy, right? Like have the five pound burrito or the, the foot tall stacked burger or something because people will go there and make it a challenge, right? Like people will go there just to eat that. The rest of the food could be crap, but somebody wants to be able to say, I ate a five pound burrito. This is a strange (laughs) metric for success. I don't, I, I don't know if he's right. I don't know. You get a lot of first timers. Whether or not they come back is different. But it's, it becomes a tourist thing, and I think with an event for people traveling, it, it is. It's a tourist. It's a travel opportunity, and so yeah. I think just being in Vermont at that time of year will be pretty Bingo. amazing. Um, and that's it. It's the you know capitalizing on like I said, we've been to so many events. We see what works, what doesn't, and it, and it's making a best of the best, best of Vermont. I mean, it's not the easiest place to get to. So you know, we've been sort of floored with. The number of folks who are good friends and then way more than we don't know who are already signed up to come up here um, and just showcase this place that that they might not otherwise end up. Um, you know, it's no it's similar really degree. Way to anything. Yeah, you might, you know, if the, the Dirty Kansas and Land Run are two events that, you, I mean, they themselves call them flyover states. Then you go out to them and you're like, this place is Mecca. And we're... We're trying to create a similar real gravitational force to Vermont. Um, people who live here are very proud to live in Vermont. Um, <laughs> Laura mentioned it. You know, if you don't know what a maple creamy is, we're not going to tell you, but you need to come out and experience it. Um, the IPAs aren't just freaking delicious. They're <laughs> they're by beer nerds and beer aficionados everywhere. Vermont produces the best IPAs on planet Earth. Um, so, you know, the food, the, the, the string of food throughout the day is going to be huge. Maple syrup is such an important component of my life that you know, that's something I want to show off. On bacon, um, I hope. Oh, man. Bacon, Ma- bourbon. Maple crusted bacon. Is that going to be like a, on a, hand zone, a feed zone hand up? Now you're thinking. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, mullet protocol. I mean, we're, we're people <laughs> appreciated that billing. So, yeah, it's going to be business up front. We're going to have a party coming up I'm all about a mullet bingo so what is um where are we at in registration what's the are you getting close yeah I mean I'm confident we're gonna we'll be capped out here very soon I mean I would certainly stress heading over to rootedvermont.com and getting in if it's not too late and certainly if it is too late Stay tuned. Sign up for the newsletter. 2020 will also be a smashing event. Um, but yeah, we are very excited for the inaugural year. For we got free reasons. camping and Bingo. food included. Yeah, it looks incredible. <laughs> really, I'm excited. And we are really doing everything we can to encourage uh, more female registration. So there will be some news coming out soon about a women's clinic, a weekend women's clinic here in Vermont um, a couple months prior to the event that that we hope to encourage women to come out to, to just strengthen or uh, introduce them to skills that they can apply to be more, uh, to, to be excited about gravel and uh, entering those events. Awesome. I don't think I've ever heard of a gravel skills clinic. That would be a first maybe. I've had a lot of requests for them. So I think there's demand out there. That's cool. All right. So (laughs) at the risk of running too long, just real quick, if somebody is coming up for this and they wanted to make, maybe a longer weekend of it and see some other things in Vermont around there. What are two or three of your highlights that they shouldn't miss on this trip? 
Uh, downtown Burlington is a, I mean, it's one of these spectacular best little cities. Um, it's lakefront. It's beautiful. It's got an incredible walking street. Downtown Burlington is, oh, maybe 15 minutes away from where we are in Richmond. Um, the airport is also one of these airports that you fly into and you're out in your car within five minutes. Um, the police will probably park the car for you if you ask politely. <laughs> Um, so Burlington's awesome. And then you go sort of equidistant out east, and you got um, Ben and Jerry's, of course, Cabot Cheese. Um, uh, like you said, I mean, Hill, uh, Northeast Kingdom has absolutely spectacular mountain biking. So, you know, you want to make a super long weekend out of it. Well, make it a whole week. Yeah, I'm making it a week. You're going to do that. Make it a whole week because our event is a whole weekend of activities. Your favorite spot, Hill Farmstead, would definitely be on the list. Yep, go up to to Hilly. Uh, That is, okay, they've been voted the best brewery in the world by, again, beer aficionados worldwide. So as much as it's sort of a goofy title to take home, um, they're renowned and continue to earn that uh, award. So... I don't know. Come to the swimming holes. Yeah, (laughs) swimming holes. I was going to say, there's nothing better than the swimming holes in Vermont in August. So that would definitely be on the list as well. Are these hidden spots or are they pretty easy to find? Good combination of both. Both. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You Um, can find the major ones online if you do a quick search of most popular Vermont swimming holes. But um, there are also some hidden ones and harder, some that you have to hike into. All right, cool. All right. Well, on that note, I think we're going to go sign up and (laughs) encourage everyone listening to do the same. Thanks a ton for your time. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And thank you guys very much. Yeah, of course. So I I beat Ted at Dirty Cancer one year. All right. No, I actually didn't. Um, (laughs) I passed him, though, because he he was on his, like, fifth flat. So you beat him momentarily. Mm -hmm. And then he came flying past me. I don't actually know how that day ended up. Um, I was in my own little pain cave at that point. Which is where you usually are. Yeah, if you're not in that cave, then what are you even doing? Uh, I don't know, sightseeing? Yeah, I'm sightseeing taking, too. Stopping and taking pictures? I'm that's sightseeing that's in my the, idea of a race strategy. How many cool pictures can soul. I take? Yeah, I did a lot of that. Um, hopefully those pictures come out. at. Uh, well, I didn't do any pictures at Croatan, Buck 50. Ooh, why not? How'd you, you won though, an I, anvil of all prizes. I did. I, um, because... That race is, in a lot of ways, a put-your-head-down-and-go kind of race. It's uh, very flat and a lot of fun, but there are just trains of riders going by, and you are hanging on to them. At least I was hanging on to them. Because if not, you're just like OTB fighting for yourself, probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And where is that one? Where's Croatan? It's kind of uh, really East Coast, East Coast. Yep, down near the coast, uh, Buck 50, put on by Ridge Supply and um, Gordon Wadsworth, a little dynamic duo. Great event, tons of fun. They call it the best bike game ever, and it's pretty damn good. Bike game? Yeah. Huh. Why? Why is it a game? It's a mental game. game, man. Wow, yeah. Yeah, no, it was a ton of fun. Right, and then you just, you've done a lot lately. So you did that, you were out at um, the one I'm trying to think of that I did last year. True Grit was their first year as a gravel race. How was that? Oh, man, that was so pretty. I don't even know what else to say about it. It was just so pretty. Um, Did you get a chance to... So they ran... A, it was a long course, too, wasn't it? Like 50-something? or Oh, the gravel course was just under 90, Oh wow! I guess. And that's yeah. that terrain's no joke, but did no. you get to 
compare notes against some of the people who did the mountain bike course to like how different was what you rode versus the single track for the oh, vastly different oh, okay. i mean there's a lot of terrain in the in the true grit gravel race um just a lot of ups and downs but the technical aspect of riding the true grit mountain bike race is crazy i mean there's a lot of rocks and a yeah. lot of features that you are constantly contending with um and I would highly recommend a full suspension bike for that one because I rode it on a hardtail last year and it yeah. was the wrong bike for and that race. And then Berger from Lauf, Loif, as they say, uh, he rode actually one of their True Grit gravel bikes last year yes. for that 50, which is bonkers. I don't know how he did it. But yeah. he's a machine also. Yeah, he's a machine. Yeah, I rode he with him super at this uh, race and we took a bunch of pictures and stuff. So hopefully when that story comes out, the pictures will be worth a shit. <laughs> right. Well, I lent you a good camera. Good, good you did phone a good phone. Good I took a lot of one. selfies and DPs. Right on. Wait, we can't publish those. <laughs> Bike rumor. Yeah. The uh, DP rumor. Part two. Don't, don't. That's getting cut. On that note. <laughs> yep. Bye, y'all. See ya. That's a wrap on this episode. Tune in next time for another great ride. Be sure to follow at Bike Rumor on your favorite social media and hit like and subscribe or leave a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks, and we will see you next time.